So this year, there are a lot of things you could do. There are a lot of things you will do. But there is one thing you need to do. Now, that one thing is different for all of us. But there is one thing based on your life, your circumstances, your relationships, your money. There is one thing you need to do this year. And if you could figure out that one thing, it would leave you in such a better place a year from now. So what is your one thing? Well, here are a few ideas. Maybe it's a habit you need to break. You tell yourself, you tell others it's not a problem, but deep down, you know it is. Maybe it's a relationship you need to restore. You've had a falling out with someone, and now your heart, if you were honest, your heart is filled with pride and resentment. Maybe it's your debt, a debt you need to pay off. You know you should, but it's scary because that means change, and change is always hard. See, your thing may not be on this list, but I bet there is one thing for you. And some of you already know what that one thing is. And wouldn't it be great if by the end of next year, you had done it. Imagine what your life would be like if you had done it. So I first heard this sermon about 10 years ago from Andy Stanley. This idea is not original to me. And, but that sermon had a real impact on me. Because you see, it was about that time where I was first diagnosed with diabetes. And, and this, this sermon helped me lose my first 20 pounds. And I loved it so much, it was so meaningful to me, I even made a little Lego set for it. Of course I would. That's exactly what I would do. (laughs) Now, I know this doesn't make much sense to you, but it will in a few minutes. See, so this sermon, this is our New Year's tradition. I did this, this same sermon back in 2020, and then 2021, everything just blew up, and now we're back in 22 here, and I'm doing it again, because there is still one thing that you need to work on this year. So so let me, today I want to teach you a little bit of the story that you've been hearing about in the, the, the lament, in the scripture reading, and this is a piece of Israelite history that inspired this one thing, this message here. And so let me introduce you. Let me start off by introducing you to a couple people. So first, there's King Artaxerxes. He was the king of, he was the king of Persia. And this, that's modern-day Iran. And this was around 450 B.C. And so Persia was the dominant world force at the time. So that's one character. Another character is Nehemiah. Now, he was a prophet He was an Israelite slave who was in exile in Persia. And he was working for the king in a fairly high-level government position. So he had a relationship with the king. Now, what's interesting about Nehemiah is that he he was Jewish, but he had never been to Jerusalem. Because you see that about 100 years prior, that the Babylonians conquered 
Israel, and they destroyed everything. The temple, the city, the walls, the gates. They just ransacked it all. So Nehemiah was someone who was born as a slave, born in exile. So a hundred years later from, from the Babylonians, Nehemiah had heard how bad it was in his home country. And there were still some people living there, and it was rough. And so, so he felt a burden for his homeland. And he prayed a big prayer. And he asked the king if he could return home to Jerusalem to help his people. Well, King Artaxerxes said yes. In an amazing movement of God, he said, yes, I'll give you the time off. Yes, I'll even make you the governor of the region. And I'll give you whatever you need. Whatever you need. Money, lumber, livestock, it's all yours. And so Nehemiah went to Jerusalem. Well, and here's what he found. The city was in ruins. And, but what's most, more important than that is the city walls have been broken down. See, and no one living there had ever been in a rebuilt or a healthy built Jerusalem. This was all they knew. This was their entire identity. So it reminds me a lot of the Hmong who were born in the refugee camps. This is Banvinai. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you were born there. Maybe it's your parents, your aunties, uncles. But so those are people who were born into the camps who never lived in the villages. They never knew what Hmong life was like back in the hills. This was all they knew. And as a result, it shaped their identity. It shaped for them what it meant to be Hmong. And the same thing happened for the Israelites. See, their lives, their identity was shaped by a city without walls, a city without protection. And so it meant that the local warlords could come in anytime they wanted and just pillage the place. And that's exactly what they did. There was no safety, no security. But what's worse is there was no sense that God was with them. They had forgotten their identity as God's chosen people. And all this just broke Nehemiah's heart. So he spent an entire day walking through the cities. He walked during the day, he walked during the night, and he talked with people, he met people, and he heard their stories. And he came to this conclusion. If there is anything that I can do, I've got to start with this. I have to rebuild the walls. And if I do nothing else, I have to do that one thing, which is rebuild the walls. Now, there are a lot of things I, that this city needs. Come on, the economy, leadership, infrastructure, but he's sitting there thinking there are a lot of problems. But the one thing I have to do is rebuild the wall. For our safety and for our identity, I have to put, get that wall back up. So they began building. And they made progress. And then 
the trouble started. See, the leaders of the surrounding areas got worried. They started getting together and thinking, well, if they build a wall, we're not going to be able to steal from them whenever we want. And then if they repair their city, they could build up an army against us. And so opposition started to form. A group of the local leaders started to form against them. And there was one in particular, the leader of this group, and that's Sanballat. Now, he was the governor outside of Jerusalem in one of the neighboring areas. And, and he was determined to stop the rebuild. Absolutely determined. And so first, he sent spies in to infiltrate the people working and try to discourage them. Didn't work. Next up, he actually sent an army to attack the workers. And Nehemiah and the others fought them off. See, they kept building. They kept building until it was almost done. They were almost to the top. And see, Sanballat's plan wasn't working. And so he tried a different strategy. He was going to distract Nehemiah from the work he was doing and set up a meeting. Because we all know the best way to destroy productivity is with a meeting. So that's what he did. And that's where we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 6. So let's read that together. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies had heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach or hole left in it, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. See, Nehemiah's up on his wall, and he's working away, and Sam Ballot's messenger comes in and says, hey, hey, take a break. Let's have lunch. Have my people call your people. Let's do this. Okay? But Nehemiah wasn't having any of this. See, he knew right away. He knew right away this was a trap, and that was because that town, Hakafirim, was in the plain of Ono, as in, come down from the wall? Oh, No. Stop my work? Oh, no. Rely on a really bad pun? Oh, yes. See, now listen to Nehemiah's response. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Yeah, you go tell Sam Ballot that I am doing a great work right here, right now, and I cannot come down. I cannot stop it. So everyone at home, I want you to say this out loud with me. Say it out loud with me right here. Ready? I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Okay, now type that in the comments right now. Go ahead. Go ahead and type that in the comments. Pull out another device, pull it up, shift your screen, type it in. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. There we go. Let, let's see it. Go ahead and type it out in the comments. And then once you do, copy that, because I'm going to ask you to do it again. Okay? So go ahead and type that in. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Now you understand my little Lego set here. See, see that's Nehemiah on the top with a big old beard, and he's got a wrench because I couldn't find a hammer, so he's got a wrench. 
And then that's, that's Samballot on the bottom with an axe. And there's the verse. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Now, there is something in your life, and my guess is by now you know what it is. There is something in your life where you need to climb up on your wall and say, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. When the opposition comes, when it gets hard, when you have to sacrifice, you say, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You have a wall in your life, and you climb right up on that, and you do not get down until you're done. You have to climb up on your wall and say, I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I cannot stop. Because I have so much work ahead of me. Now, to close, I want to I poke and prod you a little bit here. So for the next few minutes, I want to make you uncomfortable. In case you're resisting what your one thing is, I want to bring up some examples so that when I preach this message a year from now, you are not still struggling with the same thing. So what is it for you? So for some of you, for some of you, it's your health. You've ignored the symptoms for too long. You've skipped going to the doctor. You say that you'll start tomorrow, next month, maybe when work calms down, but you never do. Some of you need to get some help from a doctor, a nutritionist, a trainer, a therapist. You can't do this on your own. Because if you could, you'd have done it by now. Some of you need to get some help. You need to invest some money. Go cancel Netflix, Spotify, Apple TV, whatever you need to do. And you spend some money to get some help on that wall. So for me, on Friday, I made an appointment with the doctor. And that's something I've been avoiding for about a year. And I know it's going to be hard, and I'm going to have to face up to some, some realities of pandemic health. But I felt like I couldn't preach this sermon with any integrity whatsoever unless I took a step forward. So your health, the body gave, that, that God gave you, that is your great work. So now say it with me or paste it into the comments. Right now, say it, say it with me. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. So for others of you, it's a habit you need to break. I bet you've started or restarted a bad habit sometime in the last two years during the pandemic. 
we've all had enough anxiety to bring back some old coping mechanisms. So some of you drink too much. You want to know how to know whether you drink too much? Someone has told you you drink too much. The reason for that is they didn't say anything when they were first concerned. And they didn't say anything the next time when they were scared. And they didn't say anything the third time when they were really scared. And then finally they said something. So if you want to know if you drink too much, has anyone ever told you you drink too much? Some of you, maybe, maybe you've, got, you've got a coping mechanism, something to self-soothe you that is not healthy, whether it's smoking or drugs or porn. Say, maybe you're addicted to social media and you just need to unplug for a little while. See, if you have a habit you need to break, here's your first step. Here's your first step. Are you ready for this? Tell someone. Just tell someone. Bring what is in the darkness into the light. It starts there. Living, so maybe for you, living free in Christ and breaking that bad habit is your great work. So everyone, say it with me. Paste it into the comments. Say it with me. You know what it is. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Still others, your wall is about relationships. Married couples, some of you need to communicate better. You can start by putting your phone down when your spouse is talking with you. Maybe you need to start nurturing that relationship and living out those vows that you said so many years ago. Dating couples, dating couples, you need to stop having sex. It's sin, y'all. I, I can't say it any simpler than that. Yes, that means maybe you can't spend the night or you can't go on vacations together. Maybe you even need to move out until you get married. Dads, for you dads out there, maybe you need to start developing a stronger bond with your daughter. Play with her in all the pink, frilly princess stuff she wants to play with. Be affectionate with her. Moms, maybe you need to do that with your sons. Play with them and, and adventure and get rough and dirty and messy and scraped knees. Play with your sons. Be silly with them. Or maybe, maybe it's your pride, your anger, your fear. All of those things are hurting the relationships around you. And it's time to deal with it. So building happier, healthier relationships is your great work for this year. So everyone say it with me. Here we go. You know what it is. One more time. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. And lastly, some of you, some of you, it's about your faith. You call yourself a Christian, but you're doing very little to develop a personal, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You've stagnated. You're going through the motions. So maybe church isn't a priority for you. You skip way more often than you attend. Maybe you're not spending any personal time with God. And you're living entirely off other people's spirituality. Or the spirituality you developed as a child. Maybe you're not spending any personal time with God. Or maybe, maybe you're a hypocrite. That your, your hidden life, your private life, is full of sin. But publicly, you put on a really good Christian face. And you need to get out of that hypocrisy. So for you, this means that living a faith that pleases God, that's your great work for this year. So say it with me, paste it in the comments one more time. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. So what is your one thing? What is your one thing? You're thinking one, pff, more like four or five. Where do I start? Just pick one. Just pick one for this year. So what is the one thing you have to, have to do this year? Do you have it in your mind? Then, climb up on that wall. Climb up on that wall and do not come down. Stay here and work until your life, it's like your life depends on it. Because for some of us, it might just very well depend on it. Climb up on your wall and get to work. Whatever that means for you. And do not come down until you're done. Now to close. I want to tell you the rest of Nehemiah's story. And it's really the rest of the Israelites' story. See, his enemies kept trying to stop him. They sent more messengers. They spread rumors about him. They even tried to get King Artaxerxes to recall him. They, they tried. They even got one of his own people to turn against him. At least they tried. But every time, every time... Nehemiah stood his ground. He did not divert from his one thing. See, you too will face obstacles, even enemies. There might be people who try to sabotage you, but more likely, you will try to sabotage yourself. When it gets hard and uncomfortable and too much, you will try to sabotage yourself. And see, it'll cost you something. Time, money, energy, comfort, sleep. It'll cost you something. But you must stand your ground and not lose focus on your one thing. See, Nehemiah didn't lose focus. And he, his team rebuilt the wall in 52 days. That's less than two months. They rebuilt the wall. 
And that one accomplishment, that one thing resulted in revival and restoration among Israel. See, it was amazing because that one thing started a domino effect of other things and other things. And all of a sudden, the wall was rebuilt. The city was being rebuilt. They were holding services. They were praying. They were reading God's will. They were living out their true identity as God's chosen people. All of these things because they did their one thing. And the same thing will happen to you. God will bring revival and restoration into your life, into your family, into your heart. See, so much hangs in the balance of this one thing. Do not take your eyes off of it. 2022 is going to end in about 363 days. Where do you want to be when it does? Join me in a closing prayer. God, we need your help. There is nothing that has crossed our minds that we can do on our own here. It is all too difficult. Lord, and, and so we need your help. We pray by your grace that you empower us supernaturally. Holy Spirit who resides in every believer listening to my voice. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Come alive in us, Holy Spirit. Give us the courage, God, to face our failures, knowing that in you our failures are not final. God, give us the determination to stay on our wall in day one, in day 20, in day 50, in day 500. However long it takes, sustain us, Lord. Whatever we need to do, empower us, Lord. Whatever we need to give up, replace it with you, Lord. Whatever encouragement we need, bring it around us, Lord. So that a year from now, we can celebrate like Nehemiah and the, the, those living in Jerusalem. We can celebrate all that you have done. Help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.